0: Well, good morning, Oceanside Church. Paul McMunn here. Really good to be with you. I must confess, I really wish I was with you in person, but we will settle for a virtual meeting with you today. And I'm encouraged with what God's been sharing with me, and I hope and trust that, uh, that this is a word that encourages you and speaks to you. And the message that I have for us this morning, um, I'm going to call it Crossing Over. And we are going to jump into an Old Testament story, and we are going to look at Joshua uh, Joshua is probably one of my favorite people of the Old Testament, one of the heroes of the faith, um, one of the leaders that really set a great example for us. And I feel like there's something relevant and real for us that we can take from, that we can take from this story. For those of you that aren't familiar with who Joshua was, uh, Joshua was the leader of the Israelites. He took over from Moses Moses was the one that took the Israelites out of 400 years of slavery, and he took them into the desert, all in the pursuit of the promised land. And before they went in, Moses died, and he handed the baton of leadership over to Joshua. And now it was Joshua's role, and it was his job to lead the Israelites into that promised land. So this is uh, something from the story of Joshua. Um, and what we look at here is that um, he was pursuing a promise. He was pursuing uh, inheritance. It was something that uh, he was told from generations prior that God had promised his people. And it was his responsibility to lead the people into this promise. But in the story where we pick up, they they find themselves at a significant obstacle. Um, they find themselves facing something that they've never seen before. They find themselves at the river, Jordan. And for these people, uh, the river was a new experience for them. Uh, let me get into that. I'm going to read the story for you. Joshua 3.3 3 says this, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, your God, and the Levitical priests carrying it, you are to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. But keep a distance of about 2,000 yards or cubits between you and the ark. Do not go near it. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourself for tomorrow, the Lord will do amazing things among you. And then it says this in verse six, Joshua said this to the priests, take up the ark of the covenant, pass on ahead of the people. So they took it up, it says, and they went ahead of him. So just for a minute, consider this. The Israelites are up against a river, okay? For them, this river was in full flood. That means that it was spilling over its banks. And these Israelites, if you consider what I've told about the backstory here, they had just come from 400 years of slavery. That means they weren't busy swimming in pools. They didn't go to swimming lessons. They probably had never been swimming before. And then from there, this people after that have now lived in the desert. And a lot of the generation, actually all the generation except two, that had uh, been through this time in the desert, they had actually died and passed on. And this was a generation that had grown up and was born and knew really just desert living. And there's not too many rivers in the desert. So for them, water was terrifying. And if you look back um, with this river in full flood, um, history tells us it was probably as much as 100 feet wide as much as 10 feet deep. And there was no easy way to cross this. This was a significant obstacle. And here they are. Here they are standing at this river. And they actually, the way into this promise was through it. There was no other way around it. There wasn't a nice bridge to get over it. So they were facing something that for them was terrifying. It was a way that they've never been before. They're facing something that was unforeseen. I just want to pause there for a minute. And I want to consider where we're at today. You know, we're all in this um, process right now of of self-isolating and not really leaving our homes much unless it's something that's really pressing or like going to the grocery store. Uh, But we're supposed to be staying at home or sheltering in place. This is uncharted territory. And this was uncharted territory for them to be up against a river to try and figure out how to get across it. So, you know, I can appreciate for some of us that maybe your lives haven't actually been that disrupted maybe it's fairly similar you're just staying at home more Um, but maybe that's not your case maybe maybe some of you um, have even been laid off or have lost your job Um, maybe some of you uh, and hopefully none of you are fighting off this virus but when we stop and consider where people are at around the world um, they're facing some significant challenges this is something that this generation has never faced before We've never gone through um, anything like this. And right now, maybe it's not the the virus that's impacting us. Maybe it's this um, economic impact of what they're calling uh, the great lockdown. Maybe that's what's impacting you. But either way, what's interesting when we look at this is I believe that God has something to tell us through this story that's relevant for us today. You know, often when we face something that's difficult, something that's challenging like this... um, it actually tests us, doesn't it? It tests us. It exposes what we really believe. It exposes what we value. Uh, It reveals in us what we built our life on. And it causes us to ask big questions. I'm sure some of you have been asking big questions lately. So maybe even consider this. Maybe even your identity uh, has been sort of exposed in that maybe you found your identity was Wrapped up in your job or the things that you were doing, maybe maybe your identity uh, has been always found in recognition and value from other people, and now you're isolated. Whatever it might be, let's consider that we are facing something that we haven't faced before, and it's it's causing us to dig deep and to look inside a bit. Um, you know, I think for some of us, even it's fair to say that. Maybe we've always just put our hope and our trust in our own abilities and things that are in our control. I actually can't think of another time where so much has been out of our control. And, I, you know, I'm just considering that even as we're watching this here this morning, as some of you are watching, that maybe this is a first for you in that you've never really um, watched something that's faith-based or, you know, connected into a church community before, uh, maybe you're asking big questions. Maybe believing in God has always been, you know, kind of a a thought you've sort of left on the burner and kind of put it aside and you haven't really had the time to entertain it. Um, Maybe you've just never made space for God to fit into the way that you see the world or the way that you see yourself, Um, The way you find identity. Uh, maybe, Maybe this notion of God has just always been something that you've put aside for the time being. But here you are. Here you find yourself listening and asking big questions. And, you know, if you can identify with anything that I've been saying here, I really want to say this to you. I want to say that God is real. I want to say that there is hope. That right now there is hope. And hope comes in the name and the person of Jesus. And in, 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 in this time while you're searching, I want to encourage you that wherever you're finding yourself, that the answer that God has for you and of these questions you're asking, that the answer he has is going to be found in Jesus. And he wants to say that he knows you. He wants to say that he loves you. And he wants to say that he's pursuing relationship with you. So I just want to encourage you to be open as you're listening Uh, Be open to God speaking and open your heart to maybe making space for God in it. You know, the word tells us, when I say the word, I mean the Bible. The Bible tells us that if we seek God with our whole heart, that we'll find him. So even as I'm sharing here this morning and I dive back into this story, I want to encourage you to to open your heart and to seek him. I'm trusting that he's going to speak to you. So here we are. We find ourselves, like the Israelites, facing something that we have never faced before. And what's amazing in this story is that God does not leave the Israelites here. He doesn't leave them in the desert, exposed, uncertain, fearful of the obstacle in front of them. God takes them through. And he takes them through into promised land. The best part of this story is that they cross over. And that's what I want to say for us in this When as I jump into the, the points and the things that I want to share today, is that ultimately God's going to take us through this. He's going to take us through this and there is blessing and there is favor and there is good on the other side of it. And you might not be able to see it yet, but I'm telling you, it's there. God wants to take us through. He wants us to cross over. So when we go back into the story, uh, I think there's four keys for us. There's four points I want to pull out of this and I want to talk through. So what's relevant for us today? The first thing when I read this story in Joshua is that God is leading. This isn't a question of, is God leading? This is actually a question of, are we following him? Are we following him? In Joshua 3, 3, remember, I just read it. It says this, when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and the Levitical priests carrying it, you're to move out from your position and follow it. Then you will know which way to go since you've never been this way before. This isn't a time, friends, for us to go marching to the beat of our own drum. We don't want to go rushing out, trying to figure this all out on our own, thinking that we've got all the answers. I want to encourage you that actually this is a time to seek God and make sure that we're following him because he himself is leading us. And, you know, for Joshua in this story, um, I think what's neat is when we look at the history of this, we know that Joshua took over from Moses and this lesson of God leading was a a lesson that Moses handed down to Joshua. Joshua. And I want to touch on it because I think this is pretty significant um, in how God leads. You know, when we look at Moses, he was the one, remember, that helped the Israelites out of Egypt. They were out of this really difficult period uh, of being slaves. And they were in the desert and in the desert the Israelites got themselves in trouble at this one point and they decided to make an idol and worship this idol, this thing instead of worship God. And Moses was just distraught. He was frustrated and he starts talking to God and you can hear the story and pick it up for yourself. If you want to read it in Exodus and it says this in Exodus thirty-three, twelve. it says that um, Moses is seeking the Lord and he says, Lord, you know, you've told me to lead these people. But you haven't told me who you're going to send with me. You haven't told me who I can follow. You haven't given me anyone that's going to help or go before me. And you can hear the cry of his heart for someone to help him and to lead him through. And I love what God's response is to Moses. God's response to Moses was this. In Exodus thirty-three fourteen, 14, it says, The Lord replied to Moses, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And you know, in this story with um, with, with the Israelites, um, you see that actually from that moment, that the way they traveled from then on was, they put this Ark of the Covenant, which was where uh, the Ten Commandments were held. It, it resembled the very presence of God. Um, they put it in front of the army as they marched. So, The the Ark of the Covenant went first wherever they went, just as it did in the story with Joshua. It says that the ark went out first, and then the people were to follow. And this this was significant, and this was something that actually Moses had handed down to Joshua. And in Deuteronomy 31 7, it says this that says that Moses summons Joshua and said to him, in the presence of all of Israel, Be strong and courageous. For you must go with this people into the land that the Lord swore to their ancestors to give them. And you must divide it among, all, among them as their inheritance. The Lord himself goes before you and will be with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you. Do not be afraid. Be strong and courageous. You know, Moses tells Joshua this. And then God tells Joshua something in in Joshua 1.5. God says this to him. He tells Joshua, as I was with Moses, so I am with you, Joshua. So why am I giving you this backstory? Why is this relevant for us? Because as God was with Moses and as God was with Joshua, so God is with you. God is leading in this time and he wants to lead us. And I want to encourage you in the same way God promises his presence. God promises his presence to you. My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. What does that mean? It means that right now, before things get better, before things maybe even get worse, right now, irrespective God gives us peace and he has peace for you for today. Uh, and he has peace for you before everything's fixed and better. The the Bible tells us that this is a peace that can only come from God. And it's a peace that comes when we follow his leading. Mike spoke of the shadow of the Almighty. It's a peace we find in the shadow of the Almighty. For us, this peace is amazing. It's actually a peace that surpasses understanding, which just means it's a peace that doesn't make sense. In the natural, you shouldn't have it. Everything can be a mess around you, but God can give you peace in this moment. And I wanna tell you that God wants to give you peace in this moment. So even with the Israelites here, we see this key thing that God's presence is going before them, that God is leading them. Are we following God's promptings? Are we listening to him? Are we paying attention to what he's saying, to what he's doing? That's my first point. We can't go anywhere without touching on that. So God is leading. What's the next thing I see when we read this scripture? And it's this. It's that holiness fuels or makes way for the miraculous. Holiness makes way for the miraculous. So there's a key to that. It says this, Joshua told the people, "Consecrate yourselves. Tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you." God can and even wants to do amazing things. God wants to do miracles. God wants to do the miraculous. In Joshua 3:14, I'm going to read on here and just show you kind of what happened in the story. It says that the people in 3:14 that they broke camp And they got ready to cross the Jordan. That the priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant went ahead of them. And it says this it says, Now the Jordan is at full flood during the harvest. Yet, as soon as the priests who carried the Ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, the water from upstream stopped flowing. That's a miracle. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. It goes on and just tells us that it was completely cut off. It's amazing, this miracle. Rivers don't just stop. You don't just build a dam like that. But God does. And amazing in the story that it says that it happened a ways upstream, which means God dealt with it so far away that when the Israelites actually had to cross this obstacle to them, which would have been a significant challenge. They couldn't even see the water. Amazing. God wants to do the miraculous. If you're excited about what you're hearing here, I want to encourage you, keep reading the story of Joshua. Because as you read it, you'll see that this was just a start of the miraculous of what God did for them. God wants to do the miraculous. God wants to do the miraculous in our lives. But the key here is that holiness makes way for the miraculous. So he says this word. He says consecrate yourself. So consecration. What does it mean? For those of us that have never heard that, or maybe need a reference, consecration means really being separate. Um, it means separating something that's unclean, and especially anything that would contaminate one's relationship with God. Um, it also carries the connotation of sanctification or holiness or purity. Right. So. He says, sanctify yourselves. So one of the ways that they would do that is they would wash their clothes. They would have a bath, wash their clothes, change. And it kind of gives this imagery, this symbol of being made fresh or being made new. Uh, And it was a new beginning with God. Um, You know, it's interesting when we read this story and we consider what's happening um, with the Israelites here. Because before Jesus came... The Israelites found and were able to receive holiness only through consecration, right? And sacrifice. This was a process that they had to do to get right with God. So they had to make sacrifices and they had to consecrate themselves. They had to do something. There was effort. There was work involved. You know, what's amazing for us is that actually if you pause and consider much of how the world sort of thinks today and people think and religion thinks, it's almost this this works-based way of living where, you know, people, people think that their good deeds are somehow going to wipe out their bad deeds. And if you do enough good deeds, it'll make up for the, the bad things that you've done. And, you know, in religion, maybe it's this thing of climbing a ladder, you know? You can just, in your own works, and your own efforts, and the things you do, you just keep climbing that ladder and you get better and better. But then if you make a mistake, you slide back down the ladder and you have to go back and, you know, keep doing things and climbing that ladder. And, you know... The, the reality for us today, is, for us as believers, as Christians, is that um, we don't get holiness from our efforts. Here's what's amazing, because for today, Jesus makes this all different. You know, what's amazing is that after Jesus, for you and I, um, we, have, we have been made holy by him. How does that work? You're probably asking, well, let's consider what he did. So Jesus went to the cross for us. He took sin with him and he died and he rose again, which is the most important part of that story. And in so doing, Jesus became the ultimate sacrifice for us so that sacrifice was no longer required. All that was required of us to find holiness or to be made right with God or to consecrate ourselves was believing in Jesus. So for us, holiness comes through believing in Jesus and it comes in Him alone. And it's not based on our works. We are all imperfect people and we're all on this journey of getting right with God. And what I mean by that is just this process of doing away with sin in our lives, doing away with the things that are, you know, aren't great, the, the bad things that we do the, that kind of follow us around. The scripture tells us that actually there's this sinful nature inside of us Um, And there's constantly something that, you know, wants or leads us to try and be tempted by sin and to respond to sin. But the amazing thing is that God covers us in his grace. And we are under what they call a covenant of grace. It means that as we go through this journey of having received Jesus and choosing him as Lord and Savior to to, um, to being with him in heaven, as we're on that journey of you know, doing away with those things in our life that aren't great, that actually grace is what covers us in that process. It's an amazing picture. So I just want to say to you, if you're hearing this story of Jesus, if you're hearing the things I'm saying this morning, and this is new to you, but you want to know more about Jesus because we'd love to tell you more about Jesus, even right now, where you are, take out your phone, and I want to encourage you, why don't you text us? Why don't you text Oceanside Church, The number will be on your screen. It's 250-740-1026. Text Jesus. You know, if you just want to know more, text us. We'd love to get someone in touch with you. Maybe we can answer some questions and help you on your journey to discover him. So for us, this word of consecration, what I want to say is that with Jesus, there's still this process of consecration for us, but it's not what defines our holiness. That's solely Jesus. Jesus what we're looking at right now for consecration is actually this thing of becoming more like Jesus and maybe cleaning up our lives a bit. So I want to show you um, a way of thinking about consecration because I've heard it said this way, that consecration is affirming the call on your life to be holy and set apart. Consecration is affirming the call on your life to be holy and set apart. So let's get right with God. Let's embrace our identity in him. And as we do that thing, as we focus on that, actually the doing away with the stuff that hinders that relationship, it just comes naturally. It's actually a byproduct for us. So let's remember that God wants to do the miraculous with us here and now. uh, And he wants to choose to work with us. We know that we have as Christians that when we choose Jesus as Lord and Savior, that We receive the Holy Spirit inside of us and he wants to work through us in our lives and do the miraculous even now. What else do I see in this? What else do I see in this story here? Um, I want to look at my third point and these ones are a little quicker. The first two were longer, but the third point is this and it's kind of an interesting one. Pack intentionally. If we're crossing over into the promised land, if we're crossing over into God's promises on the other side of this, I want to encourage you to pack intentionally. That means that there's things that we probably need to leave behind. And there's things that we actually need to intentionally pack to bring with us. Follow with me here for a minute. The Israelites were in the desert. And the things in the desert that worked well for them maybe aren't really the things that are going to work well for them for where they're going. So maybe, maybe somebody's skill and the things that they were carrying around were things like transportable tents or gear for digging wells and finding water. In the promised land, there's lots of water. You don't have to worry about trying to find it. In the promised land, you're not living in tents anymore. So this was a really big identity shift for these people. They had to consider like what actually needs to come with us. Remember, they're crossing over what they thought was going to be water Thankfully, God did a miracle and they didn't have to try and swim. They got to cross over on dry ground. But there's still stuff that they needed to consider to bring with them and stuff to consider to leave uh, behind. Because in the promised land, everything was going to look different. And, you know, it made me stop and really consider that there's key moments in life, uh, key moments of transition or key moments where we cross over from one season to another Maybe you can relate. Maybe you're somebody that's graduating from high school. That was a key moment of transition for us. There's others. Maybe it's, maybe it's moving out from home. Maybe it's getting married. There's, there's key moments of transition where actually we get to pause. We get to take stock of where we're at. And we can consider what's going to be important for us in this next season. We get to pause and really examine ourselves. And the thought I want to give you in that is, is this, that I think that there's going to be baggage and there's going to be luggage for us. And here's the difference. Baggage is the stuff that you want to leave behind. It's the stuff that isn't going to help us in this season. Baggage might be things like sin even, but it could also just be bad habits. It could be behaviors or things that we need to make adjustment to in our life. It could be unforgiveness. It could be bitterness. It could be envy. Let's take stock. What are the things that we need to leave behind? Don't put them in your bag. Don't take them with you. Pack intentionally. You know, a confession. When I travel, I really don't like checking a bag. Just a confession. And uh, I try rigorously to leave a bag behind. And for uh, for me, a, a funny accomplishment when I got married was I somehow managed to convince my wife that it was a good idea on our honeymoon to only bring a checked bag. So I feel like that was a win, and uh, I was quite proud of that. But what does it mean if you're, if you're packing light? What does it mean? It means that you've got to carefully consider what's going to be important. What do you need? What are you going to need for what's ahead? And if we're transitioning from this season into a new season, and, and God has promise and things ahead for us, what are we going to need for that? You know, if we're moving into a season of, uh, of what God has next, What do we feel God's telling us to pack? What should we be bringing with us? Let's be intentional about it. Let's really pause and consider what's going to be important. And don't wait to put those things in your bag. Don't wait to start making those adjustments. Do it now. If you've ever packed last minute, you know that you're going to forget something. So don't pack last minute. Be intentional. Make some decisions now. The last point I want to touch on is this. When we see this story here, Um, They're moving into the promises of God. They're moving into the inheritance that God spoke of over their life. And I want to say this, that inheritance is waiting for you. Inheritance is waiting for you on the other side of this. And I'm not just talking about stuff. I'm not just looking at material things. I'm not talking about the blessing and the favor of God. I believe that that's there. Um, I want to talk about more than just that. You know, when you consider the promised land. Yes, this was a land that was blessed. It says it was flowing with milk and honey and, you know, it was lush. It was green. It was amazing. Maybe even better than Vancouver Island. Hard to believe, but maybe better than Vancouver Island. But you know what? What what the promised land also um, gives us a picture of is God's blessing of the future generations that would come. It was a blessing of his people, the families that could, that could grow and expand in the land. And really, friends, for us, the inheritance that God has for us is people. People is the only thing that matters. It's, people are the only thing we get to take with us to heaven. It's the relationships. I'm quite sure you've probably realized right now how important your friends and your family really are. You know, and this is a great opportunity that God's given us to reprioritize what's important in life for us. And let's focus on the inheritance that he has for us. Let's consider the importance of people in our lives. You know, a lot of people are soul searching. A lot of people are asking those big questions. And maybe you're even somebody that's asking big questions. But don't just ask the question and leave it there pursue the answer to that question. I'm telling you, God says that we'll find him when we seek him. And he's got answers for you in this time. You know, I know we're physical distancing and some people are calling it isolation. And I think that that's silly. I think it's maybe physical distancing because we have tools. We have things in our hand and I've got a challenge for you. I want to encourage you to pick up a tool. Pick up your phone. Take a moment. Scroll through your phone. And ask God to highlight somebody that you should reach out to. These are the inheritances that God has for us. It's people. Let's invest in people. Lots of people are asking me in my industry, what should I invest in right now? What should I invest in? You know what you should invest in? People. Invest in people. Scroll through that phone. Trust that God is going to highlight someone. Pick up the phone. Call them. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe they just need to hear your voice. Maybe God wants to do something significant like give you a prophetic word for them or give you a word of knowledge for them or maybe even God wants you to pray for them for healing. God wants to do the miraculous in this season. He really does. I want to encourage you. Let's focus on people because in this time, this is going to be the inheritance that God has for us. So for us, God wants us to cross over. He has blessing and favor for us. There is inheritance waiting for us. And the keys for us today are, number one, God is leading. Are we following? Number two, holiness makes way for the miraculous. Number three, pack intentionally. And the fourth point, inheritance is waiting for you. Thank you for your time today, Oceanside Church, and all you visitors that are joining us. Trust that God is speaking to you.